So I'd like to introduce uh, some special guests this morning, uh, Dr. Mark and Kathy Fulton. Um, for those of you who don't know, they are with uh, Mission Haiti Medical, and our church here has been supporting them and involved with them for 13 years now. I was talking to Carrie this morning, trying to figure out when our first trip was, and it was 2011, because as you remember, she was pregnant with Lily at that time, and Lily's 10, so it's pretty simple math. But um, yeah, they've been involved with Mission Haiti Medical for I think over 25 years now, is that right? So please welcome Dr. Mark Fulton. Or Kathy. As you, as you might have guessed, I'm not Dr. Mark Fulton. <laughs> You'll hear from him in just a minute, but he is going to go over some things. We've had, I, we always, always hear about Haiti has troubles, Haiti is poor, Haiti's much more than that, but we hear about that. But Mark will touch on this in, in a little bit, but we've, uh, we're experiencing some things in Haiti that it, we haven't seen in our lifetime. It's, it's gotten pretty bad. But we don't ever want to forget, when we're in those dark times, how God's working and where we see blessings. And this isn't just the Sunday school answer, but this congregation coming alongside, along with lots of other church families, Christians, really around the world, coming together and making a difference, that is, it's a huge blessing, and it's what keeps us going when we are in the trenches, so to speak. And it's what keeps our staff, our Haitian staff going, knowing that there are people they've never met in another country that has come alongside and made such a difference. So we just want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your prayerful support, your, your visits, your physical visits and presence in Haiti that we haven't been able to do that in the last few years because of the violence, um, your financial support. So many ways this, this church family has come alongside. So we just want to say thank you for that. So in case... In case I'm new to you or if you've forgotten, it's been a while since we've been here, we do serve in Haiti as missionaries at, uh, it's now a 24-7 hospital. I think the last time people from this church came, it was a day clinic, but now it's a 24-7 hospital. It's just the two of us as far as foreigners go, and then 70 Haitian doctors, nurses, lab techs, support staff, etc. So when we're here, the hospital's still open 24-7, and that's what we feel like God has placed in our hearts to do, to empower the people there, provide maybe where there's some gaps that need to be filled, and then let them do what they're trained to do. So um, just uh, there's going to be a three-minute overview of, of what the hospital is today. Some of you who have been there before, um, hopefully it'll be a nice surprise to see that there has been progress made. Uh, and then Mark will get up and give you an update on what's been going on in Haiti. Let's see if... Oh. In January of 1993, my wife Kathy and I came to Haiti for the first time. And we were moved by the poverty, we were moved by all the problems that, that faced us. And we would leave, go back to the United States, and then we'd say to ourselves, and then what? We found that a dream had already been planted in the, the minds of both Pastor Jean-Marie from Saint-Ave and Ms. Dillis Nubi, a missionary who had been placed in Haiti and called by God there. So we came alongside them and with the help of many people from many states and several countries, a hospital was built. 
chaque fois que je parle de l'hôpital, je toujours pensé que c'est un rêve qui est mieux. Il y a plus de difficultés pour que les gens puissent aller dans l'hôpital. Many car accidents on the road, motorcycles, so a lot of people died on the way going. So now we got hospital here. Non seulement situation géographique nous, mais mon communauté a aimé venir l'hôpital là. Non seulement pour qualité service là, mais c'est pour prix que nous venons de venir service. I can say it's a blessing for the community. Thankfully, as the hospital has grown, as the hospital has progressed, there's so many things happening. There's a prosthetic lab, there are surgeries happening, there are general medicine happening, there are babies being born, there's an emergency department, there's a pharmacy department, there are so many things happening that is totally beyond us. The staff is entirely Haitian. Physicians, nurses, dentists, lab techs, and support personnel all have a place to be and a place to be part of a family. Our dream for this hospital in the future is that there won't be a need for a missionary from a foreign country. It can be totally Haitian-driven, Haitian-supported, and Haitian-run, independent of those from elsewhere. I believe this is a particular place that God is visible, God is palpable, and God's doing some great things. And we all have to work together to keep it moving forward. Good morning. Well, that uh, piece, we had a group come down a few years back and said, would you like it if we shot a video? And we said, okay. Well, we'll see if we can use that. And it took them so many takes because, as you can tell, we're in the middle of nowhere, Haiti. And so we had a lot of drone pictures of people going, you know, so it, it really uh, took a while and a lot of cuts uh, to get that. So, uh, but we're really thankful for that group that, that did that. Um, so good to be here today and see some familiar faces and, and uh, revisit you guys. It has been a while. We weren't even scheduled to be in this country currently, but as Kathy mentioned, due to the violence, due to the stuff going on, which I'll touch on a little bit, here we are, and Pastor Rob was very kind to say, you can come visit on the last minute, and we know it's a very busy Sunday, so I will try to cut it short. So, because you got all your meetings and stuff like that, we understand, we'll, we'll get out of your way, but we do wanna come and share, we wanna say thanks, and let you know what is going on because we want to be accountable. We're accountable to God. We want to be accountable to you too. So first of all, as Kathy mentioned, our, our missiology with, with what we do is we're presenting God through healthcare. Now, God was already here way before we were in Haiti. We just want to point him out in different ways. And for you sitting in the pews, God is all around us. Just be sure and point him out to the people around you. Every one of us are missionaries in this room if we're professing to be a Christian. It's just a matter of where you're called to serve. And sometimes the most difficult place to serve is just a few feet away, but it may be miles out of your comfort zone. So I'm encouraging you, get out of your comfort zone. We 
got out of our comfort zone, and God called us to this weird place called Haiti. And go ahead, Kathy. She's, rather than going like this, I'm just going to go like this, and Kathy's going to push the buttons. In case you're geographically challenged, like I am, um, Haiti is not far from Florida, about 90 minutes by plane, and there you are. It's an island, which means water, something we don't have, you know, here. We're from Indiana originally, so, you know, we're not used to oceans, but it is pretty cool, uh, you know, with oceans. It is a beautiful place. I always promised her an island paradise, and <laughs> here we are. Uh, so, sometimes it doesn't seem that way. Haiti is also the poorest country in this hemisphere, but also some of the most spiritually rich people that we've ever seen. And when we go to see, see Haiti, uh, she's just one step ahead of me. She's trying to make me go faster. <laughs> they have a meeting. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we uh, are, are really thankful that we can share with them. And whether it be they have poverty physically, they do have a lot of spiritual richness. Uh, that we see so often. Sometimes we see people from the states that come down and they are so poor that all they have is money. We don't ever really want to get in that state here as Christians in our world. But part of the spirituality is voodoo. Voodoo is very prevalent. Voodoo is evil. Voodoo is all around us. We have our own voodoo in this world. It looks a little different. But there, it's very overt. This is a witch doctor's place that you're seeing here. And they really took a lot from the initial missionaries in Haiti, which were Catholic. And so they said, we're going to steal some of the things that you're trying to purvey, and we're get, some of our symbols are going to look very Catholic, as you can tell you know, in this slide here. They do have zombies. We've seen zombies, but they're not what you think they are. It's not like, you know, that you see on TV. What they do is they give people medicine, and it slows down their heart rate, slows down their respiration, and they go into a trance, basically, because their heart rate and respiration and O2 sats are so low that, I mean, you can hardly detect a pulse. There's also a lot of alcohol, other drugs involved. They paint them up, and then they kind of come to, and those are your zombies. Sometimes they take them down too far, and they do die. But that is something that's still going on. But we also want you to know that God is alive and well. And through voodoo or whatever, God wins in the end. We can never forget that. The people of Haiti and the people, and this is our local church uh, near the hospital where a lot of our employees go to church and where we worship uh, when we're able to get to the hospital. They had a worship service this morning. Now, it starts at 7 a.m. That's a hard sell, you know, right? Uh, but starts at 7 and usually goes until whenever, which is usually around four hours. So that's what I'm used to, but don't worry I grew up in the Midwest, so, you know, we're, I, I get it. You've got your meeting. But God is alive and well in Haiti spiritually. And again, these people fight unbelievable odds against voodoo and against physical challenges. 
These are the people Kathy referenced. That hospital that you saw in the video, these are our employees. These are the people we work with every day. These are the faces that we want you to pray for because there are physicians and dentists and lab techs and you name it. We've got what you would call a basic rudimentary clinic. We are in a place where there's no electricity. There's no running water. We have to provide all that. So we, when our generator works, when our solar works, we pray for sunny days, then we're able to actually provide services. But sometimes we don't have all that. Sometimes things are closed. But these are the faces. These, this group is one of the pure blessings. Each one of these people get paid what we would consider a meager salary by our standards, but each one may have eight, nine, ten people that they're supporting on their $300 a month. You know, and we are, they are thankful that they have a job because unemployment in the area where we are is around 80%. Now, I know unemployment here is weird. So many people looking for jobs, they're not well, high-paying jobs. We're thinking, we need to talk. We've got all these people needing work. And, you know, but anyway, I don't know how that works. That's above my pay grade, but it's kind of a, a mind-blowing thing when we come back here. So many people looking for jobs, so many people here looking for workers. Seems like, I don't know, God, God will work that out. So. Next. We want to cover over the last year some of the trials, some of the big trials that Haiti has been facing. And by default, us, our living there, we've been facing as well. But the, the trials, and we all have trials, but some of these are a little different. Now, the first trial we mentioned is really has covered all of us. Now, COVID. COVID hit Haiti not as badly as it did here because we don't know why for sure, but we believe it's because a lot of people are living outside and they weren't in confined areas. We don't know. We didn't know what to do as a hospital there because we're not dealing with AC or whatever. So we built this, looks like a shed, you know, out back. That was our COVID center during the time of COVID. We washed our hands, but the staff was scared to death of COVID. And they said, you know what? We're going to put our patients out there Dr. Mark, would you do all the rounding and check on the patients? Uh, thanks. So every morning, we'd get our patient. I'd go out and round and check the IVs and find out if or how many had passed the night before and go from there. And it was really tough times there for a while. But at this point, it's kind of settled down. We're kind of back. But that was a big trial in the whole country. Um, I, I won't even, I know there are people who are for vaccinations, against vaccinations, whatever. It really wasn't an option, you know, here. So you just did the best you can. We didn't have any of the veer medicines, the antiviral type of medicines or things that we had here too. So basically, you should have seen some of the concoctions we came up with to try to, to help them out. But fortunately, most survived, and we're, we're thankful to the Lord for that. So next slide. One of the other trials, last July, the president of Haiti was assassinated. There are many reasons things happened. It was an inside job. There's still, we'll never know all the facts, but uh, there are a lot of uh, people with power and money that made that happen, and it shouldn't have. And since then, 
the country has spiraled. There's never really been uh, someone in charge. The person who is supposed to replace him died of COVID. So he gets killed, and then this person passes like the week later. Well, then he had named somebody the, uh, before all this happened to fill in the next position, and it turned out that he was unable to do so for various reasons politically, and so there became a void of not only that, and during this time frame, all of the parliament, that would be like all of our Congress, their terms expired. So they were just kind of randomly, hey, how about you? Maybe you. So they've been in this leadership void now since a year ago, July. So that was a big source of the chaos, which we'll explain a little bit more coming. Now, on top of that, the next month, there was a big earthquake. Now, I don't know this hit the press here. I know that was last August, and it was in the south. You can see the epicenter. Boy, it doesn't show up too well, but epicenter there. Hospital is up here in a place called St. Dar. We didn't get much damage. Port-au-Prince had a lot of disruption, but they also, when we flew supplies in, the gangs were controlling the areas here, and so a lot of the support couldn't get there. So we were trying to send boats down to uh, provide support. There were hundreds and hundreds who died and homeless, etc. But the country had no infrastructure, no government, and then you have an earthquake. Next slide. So because of a lot of this uh, volatility, the people started saying, hey, what's going on here? We don't have money coming in. There are no tax money. There's no government. We need somebody. Well, you can't go to your congressman. There is none. So to get their voice heard, they start protesting in the streets. So we, at the time, were living in Port-au-Prince, and this is what we saw outside when we'd try to go to work, you know, to the hospital. Some days we could get through, some days we couldn't. It was starting to get a little ugly. And then the gangs continued because they said, look, if the government is not going to control our area, we want to control our area. So we're going to protect our people, we're going to feed our people, but then they got power hungry. And then guns started to get smuggling in. And so the gang started gaining more power and more power, more power. And they're saying, okay, we need some change in this island or we're all going to pass away. We need a revolution. Now, I'm not saying I agree with all these methods. Don't get me wrong. But they smuggled guns. They started taking over police stations. They uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So the gangs continued and to this day are continuing to cause a lot of problems. So next slide. One of those problems is that they control where the fuel comes in the country. So what happens is the big tanker comes in and then there are semis. So the semis get the tanker and the gangs stop them and they say, okay, to pass here, you need to pay us, let's hold however many thousand gallons, uh, a dollar a gallon to get through. So... Okay, so the gas companies are saying, wait a minute. But the people are saying we need fuel to survive in various ways. So what happened too, then the other gangs in the area were saying, well, this is crazy. So when the fuel tankers would get to our area, for instance, near the hospital, they'd say, okay, instead of taking it to the gas station where you get the regular price, we'll pay you an extra 
50 cents a gallon, and we'll just take it off your hands, and then we'll sell it on the street in the black market. But sometimes they mix it with kerosene, we don't know what, great for your engine. Uh, but we uh, were buying, that's where we bought our gas, this is one of the places, about 20 bucks US a gallon uh, that we were getting it. And for the average Haitian who makes two bucks a day, how sustainable is that? If gas stations, there was even a rumor of gas stations getting money, or getting money, getting gas for the market price, we would love to go get gas there. However, motorcycle drivers who make their living ferrying people back and forth, they would be the first in line, and this is why we would see at gas stations. So it wasn't really a safe place for us to be, and that line would be there for way too long. Uh, and it would oftentimes get violent there too. So I know our gas prices are crazy here, and they continue to do this. I don't understand that either, but it's really crazy there. So they continued to control all the fuel supplies, and at times now they're just blocking all the fuel supplies. On top of that, as these protests are happening, this was on our way to work. Kathy took this picture. Imagine driving through this. You don't know what's on the other side. We were living in Port-au-Prince again at that time, and you don't know if you're going to be kidnapped. You don't know if they're going to steal your car. You don't know if someone's burning trash. It, it could be anything. So it's a little nerve-wracking, but also that affects our staff getting to work. It affects the patients getting to the hospital. It affects so many things. So many of our patients, we had days that it was like they were afraid to get out because there'd be too much shooting, the roads would be blocked, they had no fuel. Even if we charge, which we do, between one and two dollars to see the doctor plus all your medicine, that's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, we're, we're getting rich on this deal. Um, they were too afraid to come out, as I would be too. And so there were days we didn't have a lot of patients or doctors. So uh, we would fill in the best we could, but still our goal is to make it self-sustainable. Wow, it's pretty tough stuff. So <clears throat> in addition now, there really are very few wells. A house is dependent upon water being carried to them, potable water, and they go out with a jug every morning and you get your water. So it usually is ferried from other wells, different places. Now imagine suddenly there aren't trucks because they can't get fuel to get this water. So potable water gets really to be precious. Food that is transported gets to be precious. The roads are blocked. You can't get from here to there. So right now there's an increase in cholera, which is the first time it's been around for a long time because cholera is spread by water that isn't pure. Well, you don't have pure water, so now we're seeing deaths due to cholera. But we can't get to Port-au-Prince to get medicine for treating these people. So we have people dying of cholera because they can't get to pure water because the gangs are controlling the fuel. What a mess. I mean, only God can take care of this. It's way bigger than we are. So... The other thing that's going on, as some of you guys did, we had other missionaries coming in and doing surgeries, surgeries that couldn't be afforded or done in country. 
well, who's coming into this environment? It's not safe for any of you to be down there. We have to sneak in, different, in and out different ways that are a little crazy. But you're not as crazy as we are, we hope. So, you know, we really have lost. Now, also, as you can tell, we're not 29. We would like to get the next generation missionary to come so we can start training together over the next however long God allows us to be there and start that next generation. Well, who's going to come down in this environment? Somebody who's going to have to be mightily called. Not saying that God can't do that. We're just saying that, wow, God, you're going to have to move in powerful ways. So personally, how this has affected us, the red dot there, which is Port-au-Prince, is where we lived, where Kathy taught in a school, but it got too dangerous. We would go to sleep at night, and there'd be gunshots every night, bullets hitting our walls, and we're saying, God, are you sure you called us here? And he'd say, uh-huh. Because he provided a place called Bessy, which, as you can tell, is between Port-au-Prince and the hospital, it was a reliable 20 minutes to get to the hospital on Old Country Roads. I'm a redneck hick, so I, for me, Old Country Roads, I was for it. You know, the main thing we would have on our roads until recently were goats or cattle or sheep or something, and I can deal with that. They're not shooting at me, usually. But uh, the, as things got worse over this last month, it became clear that after being stuck in our house for about eight days, something like that, where we didn't have any access, we had armed guards protecting us, we couldn't get out and get food and water, uh, we need to try to find a way back to the States because this really is not tenable for us. It doesn't make sense. We can't do our job. We're going to be eating food that need to be eaten by our friends, our Haitian friends, Maybe it's time that we head back to the States. That's why we're here. But we couldn't get out of our place because roads were blocked, tires were burning, people were shooting. And so we have another missionary friend. He goes, look, I've got to get to the airport. I'll see if I can get you there. So one morning uh, last month, uh, our friend says, I'll try to come in, I'll leave at dawn, hopefully before they man the roadblocks, see if I can get to you, if I can, we'll go to the airport, if not, I'll pray for you, good luck, have a good day. So we packed our bags, and about 5.30, he calls and said, I got around a roadblock, I'll be at your place soon, be ready. So we got ready, we threw our stuff in, we went around roadblocks, we found another roadblock that was manned, and they were lighting tires. So you got a, a road that's wide enough for two vehicles. On one side, they'd lit all the tires. On the other side, they were getting ready to light the tires. Our friend driving looks out and sees another guy, a Haitian that he knew with a mask on, who was helping the guys block the road. And he goes, hey, I know you. Well, they started talking. This guy was now busted because he wasn't supposed to be in the local gang, but he was recognized. He goes and talks, and the guys with their machetes who were coming at us lower them, and we got to drive through. Talk about God providing a way where there is no way. Well, we continued to drive, and we got to a friend's compound, and when we get to that compound, we start seeing, hmm, they're burning up ahead. Well, he puts a drone up, 
It's a fellow missionary. He says, okay, turn right here. You can get around this roadblock. Turn left here. I can get you to our compound. So we get into the compound. He opens his gate. When that happens, it all breaks loose. We're, we're stuck. So we said, we hope you like us. We'll be here until Jesus comes again, probably. So um, let's have a good day. So what games do you like? But so we were, we were there. And he goes, well, let's call our other friend Russ. Now, Russ is a pilot with a small plane. Our friend, two weeks earlier, had made a makeshift dirt runway. And our friend Russ said, you know, I flew in from Jamaica last night. Um, my plane's in Port-au-Prince, but I, I, you're not an approved runway. I don't think I can even get there to get you out. But I'll see. About an hour later, Russ called and said, they're going to let me do it. And so here comes the plane landing on the dirt runway. He turns around. He goes, uh, you guys get in. He goes, um, you know, we're, we're going to take off. So we get loaded in the plane and um, get ready to go. And he, Russ pops in beside me just after this picture and says, uh, Mark, do you hear that? So what? He goes, they started shooting at the end of the runway. I'm going to get up pretty fast because we got to see if we can get around that. So Russ, praise the Lord, was able to get up, go around as we hear, you know, underneath us. Um, God calls us to some crazy stuff, doesn't he? But wow, are we thankful. Talk about God providing a way where there is none. And when we landed, Russ said, well, you got some sermon illustrations now. I said, thanks, Russ. <laughs> you the man. That's why we're here for sermon illustrations. You know, that's uh, thank you, Lord. But we got to the airport, and here we are. When are we going back? Amen. It's God. When are we going back? I don't know. We can't even get to our place now. There's, it's worse now than even when we left. And the, yesterday, the, it was a Canadian and U.S. military flew in armored vehicles because people are dying due to starvation and due to so many things. Over the last month at the hospital, we've had moms come and abandon their babies because they say, we have five kids. We can feed these four, but we can't feed this one. Can you feed this child? Can you just keep this child? And we said, no, we're not an orphanage. We can't keep maybe one, but not this one, and not this one, and not this one. And so we have to make terrible decisions every day for the last several weeks. And then we say, we hear, you know that one baby that you told the mom to go away? That baby died and threw it in the trash heap, all because of you didn't feed them. I don't know how, how to deal with that in my brain. I don't know how to sit, give a biblical answer to, well, God, that's God's will? Okay, I can go with that. Sometimes I'm not sure. So I go to scripture, <clears throat> and I read in James, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I'm not there. I don't know about you. I'm reading the scripture, and it's like, okay, God, I, I read this, 
I'm not feeling pure joy. I'm not feeling pure joy when people are bringing their elderly friend in who may have had a stroke, and they give us some money for a couple of days in the hospital, and then they say, we can't take care of them, and they leave them. So we have the babies in front. We have the elderly people like me in the back in rows as they're waiting to die. So we've got it on all sides. Do I consider that pure joy? I pray that someday I do. I pray that someday I have that perseverance. Right now, I can't feel this, Lord. Give me some clarity. Next slide. We all have trials. Every one of us have trials that are seemingly insurmountable. You know what they are. You know what's around you. And maybe you're feeling the pure joy. You're probably a better person than I am, for sure. If you're feeling that pure joy, talk to me. Tell me how to do it, because right now, I'm still working on that. But you know, what we've discovered and what I continue to discover in myself is what God is trying to tell me. He's saying, Mark, give up. I'm going, what, Lord? I thought you called me to this. He goes, no, give up. He said, what I want you to do is give up yourself. And I want you to follow me. I don't want you to try to figure this out. God's saying, don't try to figure me out, because probably if you can figure God out, he wouldn't be God. (laughs) But give up, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. And understand that my thoughts, God is saying, are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Amen? Because, I don't know about you, but sometimes I try to control a situation a little bit. Maybe I'm the only one. But... I want to be in charge. If, if there's something broken, I want to fix it. But I keep making that mistake. I heard someone say once, if you, you can make a mistake, but if you keep making it more, once, twice, then it becomes a decision. And amen, I've made some bad decisions. But God, I trust you. I've learned to say, God, I don't understand, but God, I trust you. God, I don't understand, I'm going to give it back to you. God, I don't understand, but it's all yours. And we continue to pray just as our Haitian staff does. And they pray for each other. They pray for the situation. And they depend on God. They worship. They had a worship service this morning. They are thankful for what they have. And they try not to let, as we hopefully don't, let what we want get in the way of the thankfulness for what we have. Because we all do that a little bit sometimes. I guess I'm speaking for you. I'll just speak for me. I do that sometimes. But as you continue to pray, as you continue to uh, love on us, love on our Haitian people, we, we ask you in particular to think of that environment that our staff is living in right now. Some of them are trapped in their homes. I try to talk to them when I can. But some of them don't have uh, the means to feed their kids, even though they have jobs that we can't get to. We can't give them their paycheck because they can't get to us. 
Uh, and there really isn't a good way electronically to do that. The banks are closed, the banks are being robbed, there's not a lot of money out there. So here they are, pray for them. I won't tell you all their names because you wouldn't remember them and probably not pronounce them. But just know that these are just not them. These are us. These are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So we ask for your prayers for them. We ask for your prayers for Haiti. We also ask for your prayers for the trials that each other has and for the trials that you may have. Because please learn, it's not about Haiti. It's about Christ. And it's about giving up and it's about turning it over to him. Whatever the decisions during the meeting today, whatever the decisions that are going forward through Christmas, through your lives, give it up. It's all God's. Let us pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to serve you together. Thank you for the fellowship of believers. In a way that we don't understand, Lord, you you have it all in your grasp, all in your control. Help us to understand that in a, in a greater way. Help us, Lord, to follow you, follow you daily, follow you hourly, follow you with our lives. Help us also, Lord, to step out of our comfort zone and to be the missionaries that you have called us to be. We love you, Lord. Amen.